Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of Stories of Strangeness. I'm Zoe, and this is Mike. Hello. And this week is a Mike episode, and I just want to say that he has been teasing me about this. I don't know what it is, but I'm quite looking forward to finding out. Mm-hmm. Right. In the southwest region of France, known as Languedoc, lies a small village on a hill. The village had a listed population of 91 in 2018, and yet is known internationally, receiving tens of thousands of visitors per year, most making their way to the church, which is dedicated to St Mary Magdalene. Rather than being religious pilgrims, however, most are mystery buffs or treasure hunters. So what treasure are they searching for? Well, according to various theories, it could be gold, gems, the Holy of Holies, or even a secret so contentious that the Catholic Church paid to keep it quiet. Rennes-le-Chateau The story of Rennes-le-Chateau involves a priest, and, possibly, a hidden treasure which might be golden gems or something less tangible, cryptic messages on parchments and gravestones, Blanche of Castile, the Merovingian kings, the Knights Templar and the Cathars, the Rosicrucians, the Rose Line, the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, the Treasure of the Temple of Solomon, Mary Magdalene, Dan Brown, Roslyn Chapel, Nazis, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the bloodline and remains of oh Jesus God. Christ. Uh, and we're going to fit that all into 45 minutes? No. Good. Right. So the village itself dates back to prehistoric times with an encampment in the area, which was later followed by a Roman villa. The modern tale begins with a priest called Beranger Sonnier. Sonnier was born in 1852 in Montazels, close to Rennes-le-Chateau. He was the eldest of seven siblings, as was often the case, the eldest child went into the church. In 1885, at the age of 33, Sonnier was given the church and parish to run. It was a small place and as such was known as a peasant village and not well off. In fact, during his early years there, Sonnier lived in poverty, along with his flock and with little hope for advancement in his career. In fact, in 1909 he was transferred to another village by his bishop, but declined to move, was suspended and subsequently resigned. From 1909 until his death in 1917, Saunier was classed as a non-stipendary free priest, effectively without a parish and received no salary due to his suspension. Despite this, Saunier had spent the equivalent of millions in today's money in later life with no clue as to where the money had come from. Saunier himself refused to state where his wealth had originated, even to the point of refusing to attend one of his trials and produced documentation. I should just mention that's a church trial. Documents from the time show his wages when he received them at a paltry 900 francs per year, which would equate to about six pounds now. Yet, over 20 years, he spent around four million in today's money on renovating the church, buying land, conducting excavations, constructing a tower, building an estate, collecting rare animals and books, and introducing some very odd additions to the church, including an inscription above the church door that reads, Terribilis est, locus ist. This place is terrible, in Latin. <laughs> and a statue of the demon Asmodeus that supports the holy water stoop, 
Interestingly, Asmodeus is described in a 17th century book of demonology, Ars Goetia, as the demon who showeth the place where treasure lies and guardeth it. Sonnier preached against the Republicans in 1885 and asked his parishioners to vote for the Union of the Right due to the Republicans' anti-clerical legislations. This speech led to his suspension and suppression of wages by René Goblet, the Minister of Religion. When he started at the church, he discovered that it was crumbling around him, and so Saunier applied to the mayor for money to begin restoration works, with no idea how he would pay the money back. During the restoration, the altar stone was removed, and a new altar was installed. It was paid for by the firm Maison Mona in Toulouse for 770 French francs. One version of the story says that of the two pillars holding up the altar that dated back to the time of the Visigoths, one was allegedly found to be hollow inside. Inside it, Saunier found gold coins, jewels and some parchments with secret messages on. Two builders who had been doing the work were fobbed off by Saunier, who told them that they were worthless trinkets and gave them the rest of the day off. They went into a nearby town and spilled their guts at a local bar. In another version of events, Antoine Captier, church bell ringer, found a small glass tube with a rolled up parchment in a wooden baluster, a pillar that held up the pulpit. He gave it to Saunier. Immediately after the discovery, Saunier then began to ex excavate the aisle, nave and the transept of the church, which had nothing to do with renovating. Next he began to dig in the cemetery, aided by his housekeeper, Marie Denanon, doing most of the work at night to avoid prying eyes and the consternation of the locals whose antecedent families he might be disturbing. Digging at the grave of the Lady Haute-Poule, Countess of Blanchefort led to the discovery of a tomb noted in Saunier's diary on September the 21st, 1891. After this, Saunier stopped all restoration work and visited nearby Carcassonne to meet with the bishop's deputy, which is noted in his diary with a single word, secret. In 1892, Saunier allegedly visited Paris, during which he attended Mass at Saint-Sulpice and visited the Louvre, where he ordered reproductions of the paintings of Les Bergeurs d'Arquidie by Poussin, amongst others. This has not been substantiated by Louvre records, and there is no record of him at Saint-Sulpice. After this, Saunier lived a lavish lifestyle, equal to the most wealthy nobles of the time. In fact, he was visited by Archduke Johann von Habsburg in August of 1890, which suggests that Saunier had the means to entertain the Archduke, shortly before von Habsburg was reported as missing in December that year by the New York Times. Saunier completely redecorated the interior of the church. He built a mock medieval tower dedicated to Mary Magdalene nearby, which he used as his personal library and stocked it with expensive books. He had builders construct a promenade and greenhouse in which he kept exotic animals. He had a new villa constructed with gardens. He was reported to drink fine wines and feast on ducks that had been fattened with sponge fingers. He died in 1917, apparently penniless again. But what was the treasure? There are several theories. One involved the hoarded wealth of Blanche de Castile, Queen Consort of France by marriage to Louis VIII. 
part of which was hidden at Rennes to pay the ransom of her son Louis IX, who was being held captive by Saracens. This was put forward by Noël Corbeau, who purchased the Saunier estate in 1946 and who was told by Marie de Nanon, Saunier's housekeeper, that she would impart to him a secret that would make him rich and powerful, but she would only do so on her deathbed. Unfortunately, Mademoiselle de Nanon suffered a stroke before her eventual death that left her unable to speak or write, and she took the secret to her grave. Gerard de Sede, who wrote several books on the subject, claims he had personally seen a treasure of gold coins, a Visigoth bracelet and necklace encrusted with jewels, and a 13th century chalice. Another theory is that Saunier discovered a secret so contentious that the Catholic Church paid him to keep quiet about. But what secret? This is where we meet Pierre Plantard and the Priory of Sion. Pierre Plantard got in touch with author Gérard de Sède after reading an article de Sède wrote about an alleged hidden chapel under the Château de Guizot, which supposedly contained the treasure of the Knights Templar. Plantard and de Sède collaborated on several books and articles, most famous of which was L'Or de Rennes, published in 1967 and republished in paperback as Le Trésor Maudit de Rennes-le-Château, the accursed treasure of Rennes-le-Château that claimed that the line of Merovingian kings was unbroken after the son of Dagobert II escaped the assassination that claimed his father and found refuge at Rennes-le-Chateau, and that a mysterious secret society called the Priory of Sion was working behind the scenes to re-establish the old monarchical line. Plantard, of course, was Grand Master of the Priory. Not only that, Plantard claimed his full name was Pierre Plantard de Saint-Clair, and his lineage could be traced back to Dagobert II, making him rightful ruler of France. The book was most famous for its reproduction of two parchments that were supposedly the ones found by Saunier. They were found in strange secret dossier, deposited in the Bibliothèque Nationale that contained documents relating to the Priory of Sion. The parchments were written in Latin and contained biblical verses. So far, so what? Well, it's alleged that the verses contained hidden messages and that those hidden messages are what led to Saunier's vast wealth in later years. Immediately after receiving these, Saunier began excavating around the church grounds including in the graveyard. In fact, surviving records show that complaints were made against Saunier and Marie de Nanon about the fact that they were spotted digging in the graveyard at all hours of the day and night. In the small parchment which includes the parable of corn picked on the Sabbath, amalgamated from Luke 6, 1-5, Matthew 12, 1-8 and Mark 2, 23-28, there is an odd triangular glyph in the top left, and towards the end the text breaks up in odd ways. If one looks at the letters going down the page at the ends of the words of the breaks, it spells out Sion. Looking further, some of the letters were raised, leading to a hidden message. Adagabert de roi est à Sion et ses trésors et il est la mort, which translates as This treasure belongs to Dagobah II, king, and to Sion, and he is there dead. On the grand parchment, as it is known, includes verses from John 12, 1 12, which tells the story of Christ visiting Bethany, where Martha, Mary Magdalene, and Lazarus lived, and includes the tale of Mary Magdalene anointing Jesus, 
There is a break near the bottom of the page, whereas there is another odd symbol with an N at the top, an upside down A at the bottom, NO to its left and IS to its right. Inverting the page, it clearly reads Scion, again. Also there were letters that were below the lines that revealed the words Pani and Sal, red and salt. There were also letters that were smaller than the others that spell out Rex Mundi, king of the world in Latin, but also Satan to the Cathars. In addition, there were also 140 letters inserted into the text which appeared to read as gibberish, except for 12 letters in the middle that read Ad Genesareth, to the Sea of Galilee. The remaining letters were eventually decoded via a complex cipher to give an odd message. Shepherdess, no temptation. Poussin, Tenier, guard the key. Peace, 681. By the cross and this horse of God, I complete this demon guardian at midday. Blue apples. The cipher used was called a Vigner cipher, which requires a keyword to be used. Searching in the graveyard, it was discovered that the headstone of Marie de Negre d'Able, the last great lady of Rennes-le-Château, contained some odd mistakes. It has been theorised that the original stone carver may have been illiterate, but then what were they doing working as a stone carver whose work included the carving of headstones and epitaphs? Looking at the stone, the supposed mistakes are very odd indeed, perhaps too odd to have been unintentional. There were several letters that were in lowercase where everything else was in block capitals, as well as other possibly intentional mistakes. The letters spell out two French words, mort and epi, death sword. Using these as keywords and putting the 128 letters from the parchment through the cipher twice and then reordering them in a 64 times 64 chessboard, then using the knight's tour twice where the knight visits every square on the chessboard without repeating squares, the message became, well, if not clear, then at least readable. But what did it mean? Who was the shepherdess? What did Poussin have to do with anything? What is a horse of God, and what are blue apples? Researchers have shown that there were several local colloquialisms used. For example, blue apples was a term for grapes, the wine from which is considered to be the blood of Christ in the sacraments. The horse of God was a slang term for a train line. Two English researchers used these clues, along with geometric principles derived from the Poussin painting, to find a place on the map, which is at the base of the mountain in the region. Unfortunately, they missed some basic fact-checking, and so their research is suspect. Marie de Negre also had a horizontal tombstone. The tombstone contained the phrase, Et in Arcadia ego, and even in Arcadia, there I am. This phrase was used as the basis for Poussin's painting, Les Bergeres d'Arcadie, that depicts shepherds from classical antiquity gathered around an austere tomb. Poussin actually painted two versions. The earlier version is in Chatsworth House in Derbyshire, UK, and the later version is in the Louvre. The tomb closely resembles one right outside Rennes. Speaking of sacred geometry, apparently Venus traces a pentagram over Rennes-le-Château every eight years. Venus is listed variously in different ideologies as the Morning Star, the Sun of the Morning, the Star of Mary Magdalene, the Star of Jesus, and as representing Lucifer, the bringer of light in esoteric traditions. 
Additionally, the Rose Line, a sacred meridian that passes through Paris and the Sunlight Line defining the time of Easter on the Gnomon of Saint-Sulpice, also passes through Roslyn Chapel in Scotland. Later it was discovered that Plantard's friend, Philip de Charassy, had forged the two parchments, along with images of the tombstones, apparently as material for a radio serial for a friend of his. And Plantard, in fact, was descended from a 16th century walnut farmer. Plantard and Desed fell out over royalties from the books, and although Plantard is now generally regarded in France as a con artist, the Priory of Sion really did exist. Sort of. Under French law, all new associations have to be registered with authorities. The Priory of Sion was legally registered by Pierre Plantard and André Bonhomme on the 25th of June, 1956. Apparently the name Sion did not refer to the ancient land of Israel, but to a local landmark, Mont Sion, Mount Sion, where the order intended to establish a retreat centre. So, if not these treasures, then how about the treasure of the Cathars, and or the Knights Templar? The Knights and Cathars certainly had castles and commanderies nearby, and the area is where the Cathars lived and worshipped before they were summarily executed by the Catholics, on the orders of Pope Innocent III, in the only crusade ever launched on European soil. Some speculate that the Cathars were taught their version of Christianity which believed in two gods, one good and one evil, the latter of which ruled over the material plane while the former ruled the spiritual, by the Templars themselves. The Cathars also referred to the evil deity of the material plane as Rex Mundi. Before the Cathars were slaughtered by the Roman Catholic Church, it is alleged that four monks, or Templars in some versions, slipped away from the castle at Montségur under cover of darkness with a great treasure which many believe to have been the Holy Grail, in whatever form it existed at that time. Another theory about the treasure had Nazis searching for the lost Templar slash Cathar treasure. Himmler's Nazi archaeologists, the Annebre SS, searched the district, prompted by German historian Otto Rahn. They came up empty-handed, but the story became the basis for Raiders of the Lost Ark. In 1982, the book The Holy Blood and the Holy Grail by Michael Bajant, Richard Lee and Henry Lincoln came out to both wide acclaim and huge controversy. In it, the authors asserted that Jesus married Mary Magdalene and had one or more children. This was generally thought of as heretical by Christian institutions, but actually, a Jewish man of 33 years old who was unmarried would have been an anomaly in Jesus' time. The central idea was that the Holy Grail generally considered to be the cup that held Christ's blood, was in fact the womb of Mary Magdalene, the cup that preserved his bloodline. Let's not forget that Jesus was of royal blood, descended from the line of David, king of the united monarchy of Israel and Judah, and Mary Magdalene was of noble blood too, from the house of Judah as well. The book looks at how his children not only survived, but settled in southern France, and then intermarried with noble families, eventually becoming the Merovingian dynasty. The book formed the basis for the plot of the 2003 bestseller The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. In fact, the authors of The Holy Blood and The Holy Grail sought legal action against Brown for plagiarism. The book's main antagonist, Lee Teabing, was even taken from the names of the authors of The Holy Blood and The Holy Grail, from Richard Lee, and with Teabing being an anagram of Michael Bajan's surname. 
The Priory of Sion features heavily in the Da Vinci Code, and the Grandmaster Jacques Saunier, who is killed in bizarre circumstances at the beginning of the book, also shares a surname and apparent lineage with Berenger Saunier. Brown also connects the Rose Line Meridian with Mary Magdalene, the line of the Rose, meaning the lineage of Christ, although this appears to have been an invention for the book. One theory states that Saunier discovered the treasure of Montségur, which consisted of scrolls outlining Jesus' surviving family. Obviously, if such documents existed, the information would seriously undermine the power of the Vatican and lend credence to the Cathars, making their destruction almost certainly illegal as well as immoral. Another states that the body of Christ is buried under the tomb depicted in Les Bergers d'Acadie, having been placed there by the Templars, which the tomb near Rennes resembles almost uncannily. Or perhaps it was the last resting place of the son of Dagobah II, or Mary Magdalene. Lastly, Sonnier was accused of simony by the church and was even suspended for this. Could Sonnier have made his money in a more easily explained way by selling masses illegally? Hello, I'm John. And I'm Louise. And we're the hosts of the Spooky Tales podcast. We have been fascinated by spooky goings-on since we can remember and want to share with you the stories that pique our interest. So, if tales of ghosts, horror and high strangeness with a historical twist are your thing, then come and find us at the Spooky Tales podcast. Oh yes, and we like a giggle. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. When you started talking about the south of France, I was like, oh, he's doing Carcassonne. He's going to do about the Cathars and all of that malarkey. No, I don't think I have. Well, the Cathars kind of involved in the story generally. Yeah. But yeah, we went to Carcassonne for our honeymoon and I completely forgot Rennes-le-Chateau was nearby and I'd been a fan of the story for decades yeah i i was gonna say i can't believe we went there and you didn't even mention it i know i just completely we were there forgot for two the time. weeks i know i was just enjoying we had, the wine and the sunshine and the wine and the cheese and the yeah, wine and the cheese and the, the bread and the, cheese, and the wine yeah. and the cheese yeah yeah and i was even reading blooming uh, kate moss's book yeah yeah about the cathars yeah and, i just i completely completely lost we'll just have to go back mind. yeah <laughs> I don't think I've never heard that story before. Okay, like of that angle of right. the story before. It does seem very strange. What did you say he was getting like six pounds a year that he could, you know? Yeah. It's literally that joke of oh, put another acre on the yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he literally and, did, and he pretty much did. He did. Yeah, yeah, he did. The 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 Tour Magdala is a, a tower that he had built on the side of the hill near the near the church yeah. that he used as his local library. That's still standing. I mean, um, imagine having, he had that I'm built. going to build a library. And then a cons- massive conservatory that he kept exotic animals, animals in. Animals, yeah. Which and means he's got, to buy, he's got to get the animals as well. Yeah. And he was he was tried a couple of times by the church. One was for uh, simony, which is the act of selling mass or masses. I'm not quite sure how that works. But so, I mean, basically, you're, you're blessing people that shouldn't be blessed. Well, no, it's because mass is like a, a long sermon, isn't it? I think. I don't know. I, I, 
apologies catholics i've never been catholic and i don't know exactly but yeah it simony is the it was named after simon magus apparently who sold church secrets and things like that and was yeah punished for it and that was what he was accused of and he got suspended yeah and his wages got stopped but he just but he just carried, carried on, on regardless up with ducks filled with sponge fingers yeah I was... <laughs> that was one of my favorite sponge finger things ducks. that i found out yeah yeah it sounds like he obviously found something yeah didn't he and it annoys me when things get kind of lost and watered down and that. And I'm like, well, the, the oh, worst part on. is the fact that his housekeeper, Marie, yes, carried on oh. living in the estate after he died. And then... She was she was savvy, though, wasn't she? Like, yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you all about it on yet. my deathbed. And then she had a stroke and couldn't tell anybody. And it's like, oh, that is the worst for kind of closure. Yeah. Bless her heart. But, yeah, the... It was really difficult to research because there's so many conflicting... So many little angles. And... Not, not just that, but conflicting resources. So I like... One resource said that he spent about a million pounds. Another said 3.6 million. Another said like 4,000... Uh, 4,500,000 euros over 20 years and all this lot. And there's just so many little details. I it's suppose... Bizarre. It also depends when you calculate the difference, but then transfer it to a different type of, like, you. what's it called? Adjusting for inflation and things no, like no, that. No, no, I mean, mean? Like, cur- like, currency, oh, okay, it fluctuates, yeah. doesn't it? The yeah. value of one to another. So yeah. if we go, oh, well, it was this many of those things, we'll, ch- we'll turn, yeah. so would, have been, would it have been francs and or again, just gold bullion or something? Generally, they just say adjusted for inflation and things like that, but... But yeah, like one of them said that he, he earned 900 francs and it was in, almost impossible to figure out how much that was because obviously francs aren't in use anymore. Yeah. Um, so then you convert that to euros because that's what he turned into. But then if we were going to turn that from euros to pounds, when euros first came out, you could get two euros to one pound and now yeah. it's a lot closer. So depending yeah. on when you converted it, exactly. depends on the amount. And if you then but convert it back, the, it just goes boom, 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 boom. The idea boom, was that he was a, a, a priest of a, a relatively sort of poor peasant poor, village and but, he wasn't exactly suddenly, rolling in it but suddenly he was and there's this whole thing about him going to paris and getting copies of these paintings and i only scratched the surface on the stuff about those because there's a pet the, the painting by poussin shows like three shepherds and i think a shepherdess around a tomb and on the tomb it's written et in arcadia ego which is and even in Arcadia. And Arcadia is supposed to be kind of like utopia, but almost like a utopia on Earth, so more like an Eden type of thing. And I've read bits where it said, well, et in Arcadia ego basically is like a memento mori. It's saying, even in utopia, I am here, and the I being death. So it's like, even in utopia, you have to remember to live well, because at some point, you're, you're not going to live anymore. And there's actually okay. a, a skull and crossed bones memento mori at the church that he's had carved into one of the lintels or something like that. Okay. And then the the Latin inscription of this place is terrible. Apparently, there's more to I love that, that, which is from Genesis. Oh. It comes from the book of Genesis. Okay. But it goes on. There's there's like a short passage comes after it, which is slightly less. But still, like, if you're going to choose any passage from 
from your religious book to go on your religious building. Yeah. This place is terrible. Yeah. Is kind of a statement. It is a statement, definitely. So there is the, you know, the feeling that things like that and the fact that he had Asmodeus holding up the holy water stoop. Do you think he was leaning towards the because you said it was the Cathars belief that basically the two they're two was it the yeah. two gods and yeah. this if they're saying that you've got the spiritual realm, which you're gonna say is kind of like like compared to heaven, yeah, and like the mortal realm, they're basically saying it's hell. Yeah, pretty much. So saying this place is terrible and having a demon in there basically is, is leaning towards that kind of because there were there were differences in Cathar belief as well. I mean if we want to get into that there, there is thought amongst some current scholars that the Cathars didn't actually exist. Really? Yeah. So it gets really weird. What I think what they mean is there were certain beliefs, but there wasn't like a, a Cathar church. So right. actually, a lot of people had different beliefs, but a few of them overlapped. So they just bundled them all into one thing and went, well, they don't believe Catholicism, so let's wipe them all out and call them... Cathars or whatever. Weren't they set they upon by the like Spanish a, Inquisition? No, not the Spanish Inquisition, the medieval Inquisition. So there are there was more than one Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, but you certainly don't expect more than one Inquisition. Indeed. The Cathars were, <laughs> yeah, basically put to the flame, most of yeah. them. But a lot of them were tortured for information and things like that. But we visited that church, didn't we? Yeah. And then we're told afterwards, oh, yeah, loads of the burnt, burnt to death yeah. in the church. And it's like, Whoa. yeah, how lovely. Yeah. Thanks for that. But there was, do you remember there was some, some choir? There was a choir singing in the church and the acoustics were amazing. Yeah, they were, they were incredible. Yeah. But yeah, the so the Catholics basically launched a crusade against the Cathars and pretty much wiped them all out. But they had a base at whatever it was called, Monsegur which was also a Templar base, because it does seem like there was definitely some kind of crossover between the Templars and the Cathars. I've heard that too. And like I say, there are accounts that state that the Templars taught the Cathars their religion. Again, if there was such a thing as a Cathar religion and if the Cathars existed as a group and not just a load of disparate people. Anyway, some of the Cathars apparently thought that there were two gods. One was good and ruled over the spiritual realm and the other was satan who ruled over the material realm and made the world so yeah the world and the material realm to them kind of was like hell and their teachings were to be to be as kind of involved with the material realm as little as possible Mm. so they were kind of interesting because women were allowed to be priests and women were allowed to give their version of the sacraments, which it was the consoler somethings. I can't remember what it was called now. Whereas obviously in the Catholic Church, it was completely patriarchal. So do you think it, it's almost like they were the bridge between Christianity and like the older religions? Because the older religions had that more kind of connection to the earth. I Well, maybe... It was and more just more that respect were, for women. <laughs> yeah, because they believed in Jesus, but they didn't believe that Jesus died and was resurrected. They believe because they believe basically is that because uh, Cathar means purity, so okay. the idea was to be pure and kind of live a very kind of ascetic lifestyle where you don't have much of anything. Although again, you're allowed to own a home. 
and women were allowed to own their own homes. And again, wow. that was something the Catholic Church wasn't massively impressed with. But some of them believed that the, there were these two gods and that they were equal. And that's why bad things happened, because they were basically about Balance. even. Yeah. Some of them believed that, at least on the material plane, that more often than not, evil one out over good so they were having to try and make reparations by living the way they did and they also believed that they would be continually reincarnated into the material realm until they effectively reached nirvana i was going to say reached enlightenment but that's not what they would have called it but no yeah essentially it's sort of proved their worth yeah attained the godhood or whatever it is that some they... very interesting kind of little snippets of other yeah religions in there yeah so the cathars they did exist but it was basically because the knights templar like tied him with the masons that's where they came from cathars spread out and went off and started their masonic halls Okay, so you're saying that the ones that kind of survived the purge went off and became Freemasons. Yeah. That is a possibility. I don't know. Because with the links from the Knights Templar to yeah. to the Masons... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's, if they it's a possibility because actually the Knights Templar were originally French knights. So that's another thing is that the, the Knights Templar were originally French and they went to go and protect the Holy Land. Yeah. And take, they were actually originally there to act as escorts to people going to and from holy places to protect them from bandits and things like that. Yeah. But again, the Knights Templar were supposed to have amassed a huge amount of wealth at some point, rather suddenly and mysteriously, which hmm. many claim was the, the treasure of the Temple of Solomon. So that was never found because it was October the 13th, in I can't remember the year, but that's why we have Friday the 13th. But that's why we have Friday it? the 13th because yeah. that's when all the Templar knights were rounded up and again put to death, usually by fire or sword. But yeah, the, their, their wealth was never found, so there is a theory that it got taken and hidden at Rennes le Chateau, and that's what was found by Sonnier. But there's also the idea that it was the money of Blanche de Castile which could tie in again because Blanche de Castile was, again, consort queen to Louis VIII. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if it was her or if it was the other person that was mentioned, but one of them had ties back to kind of the, the, the Templars at some point, like, or the Merovingians. And so the money possibly flowed through the Merovingian line, which if, you know, if you believe anything in Holy Blood, Holy Grail, is is the descendants of jesus christ the the literal you know royal line of jesus yeah. in theory so there's all that and then there's the idea that actually maybe it was the the remains of jesus that they found which could have been at that tomb although again i so, read that I that suppose... tomb was created after the painting that Poussin did but maybe as a tribute but also then somebody was saying well actually that tomb was erected on the site of an original tomb yeah which may have been the inspiration for the painting because actually the landscape around oh where that goodness. tomb is in Rennes looks remarkably like the landscape in the Poussin painting it is a bit of a random place to think oh that's if 
if there was a, a body for Jesus to end up. But then if you say that his family, if there were a family, yeah. travelled to the south of France and settled there, then you'd think maybe they'd take this fairly important body of the time with them well, I to think kind of protect it, was, it. I think it was the Cathars that said that they, they believed in Jesus Christ but didn't believe he was risen after death. Yeah. They didn't believe he died on the cross either. And there was another, I can't remember if it was the Cathars, or somebody basically said... The, the Templars cut him down from the cross and he didn't die on the cross. He did die, but after he got to France. But then there are other accounts that said that actually Jesus went to England. Yeah, which, because there is a plant, isn't there? There is a bush. A bush down in um, Glastonbury, Glastonbury that only... Near the it, bottom of St. Michael's Tor. Yeah, that comes um, from... That comes from Israel, Galilee somewhere. or Israel yeah. or yeah. wherever. And no, it's like it's, it's a really, really rare find, and no one can explain how it got there. And it's no. really old. Yeah, incredibly it's been old, there and it's been there years and years and years and years and, and years. And yeah. it's like what? <laughs> and it's very odd that there's just this one plant from around where Jesus allegedly grew up. And it's mad that it actually has grown there, considering yeah. the difference in difference climate. In <laughs> climate, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so there's there's ideas that the tomb contained the bones of Mary Magdalene, but that proved that she married Jesus, and obviously the Catholic Church want that out of the way because yeah. there are accounts where it says that Mary Magdalene was more important to Jesus than Peter was, St. Peter. Right. And St. Peter was the guy who opened up the schools of Christianity after Jesus' death and preached the Gospels. So oh, but he's a man, so of course more he's more important. important. Exactly. And there are kind of references in the bible to the idea that maybe they they did kind of get together although it's not explicitly stated like that but there are kind of there are things that are said about her friends with benefits so i think the, there was one theory that says basically jesus wanted mary magdalene to carry on the ministry after he died so he would have made her head of his church yeah which of course again nope the, the Catholics were not going to stand for a woman being in charge of a church because they're not keen on that kind of thing. So <laughs> It's an understatement, God. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an absolute head spinner because it, it goes in so many directions. And honestly, you should have seen the amount of tabs I had open on, on my <laughs> oh God. browser. All I can imagine is like, you remember the beginning of DuckTales? Is it DuckTales with like Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck, McDuck diving like diving into, into his gold yeah. coins? I'm imagining like him like opening this like little bit and going, oh, and just diving in and like, what are you, where are you? What are you doing? No, no, it's okay. I'm just, um, I'm in the, the basement. Thing is, what, Scrooge, the church is a basement? Yeah. Scrooge McDuck would have had to have been careful around uh, Ballinger Sonia Hay because he'd have eaten him after stuffing, oh, stuffing him full him of, full of full sponge <laughs> fingers. Which I'm thinking Scrooge McDuck would have liked the first part with the sponge fingers, but maybe not the last. Sponge fingers? These are too common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some Battenberg. Well, you just present it to him as a Madeleine and then you go, oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it it really does go in lots of different directions. And then you've got the whole thing with the Priory of Sion and Pierre Plantard claiming he was the. Descendant of Dagobah II and all this. <laughs> the picture that you posted now makes so much more sense with all the red yeah. string going everywhere. I was like, yes, there's a lot of st- red string in this one. Like literally the Linking links. Linking them all together. The, the amount of links I've got. It is got, a spider web, isn't it? There's, there's a huge, more links than I've ever posted on an episode and I have barely scratched the surface on this. 
So are you I recommend gonna be, uh, anybody listening to go and do some reading. And are stuff. you going to do any more on it? Are you going to? No, this on? is it for now. This is gonna, it. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, I've managed to get most of it into some kind of format, but even oh. today I was just chopping and changing bits and moving bits around and going. Well, actually, I can't mention that there because I haven't mentioned the, the rest of what goes on there until later. <laughs> and, oh, oh man, nightmare, absolute nightmare. To That's so intriguing. This one. I really wish you'd have brought it up when we were there. Yeah, what well, if we'd again, have found it, we could have I gone and ferreted all about. about it. Otherwise, like, we would have definitely have gone because that would have been my like. Because <gasps> oh. I would, I'd like to go there more than Carcassonne, and Carcassonne was amazing. I absolutely loved that. It was so cool. It's a it's a medieval walled city in the south of France, and if you ever get the chance, you should it visit. It is beautiful. It's to be incredible. fair, the whole area is just yeah, lovely. yeah. But I was going to look up on a map how close to Grenoble Chateau Plavilla was because we stayed in a little place called Plavilla, which was literally tiny. It was a, it was like a street with little, with a few little bits yeah. coming off, wasn't it? I think there was like five houses tops. No, um, there was a little bit more than that. We were there? just on the outskirts. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, we stayed there for a honeymoon a year after we got married honeymoon university honeymoon anniversary yeah not a university we didn't know it wasn't university but i was pregnant at the time as well much to my disappointment not that not like that but like yeah (sighs) to book a a holiday to the south of france and then not be able to drink the wine was not my or eat the cheese not my best planning at all yeah yeah i just imagine if it was really close yeah I think it was fair because I mean oh. it's not that far from Carcassonne because we so. did got like we drove up into the mountains as well didn't we that one day where there was all the waterfalls and oh yeah and frozen bits and got really chilly I don't, I'm gonna look it up you're gonna look it up are you oh no <laughs> watch us kind of face palm no listen to us face palm listen to us face palm as we realised that we were literally just down the road yeah okay firm Plavilla. It was about an hour's drive away. Oh, that is, that would have been quite a long time for my pregnant belly. So maybe it wasn't so bad that we didn't make it there then. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that this guy, he has no money, but has loads of money. And the church didn't go, hey up, where's he getting all this cash from? Well, they did. And just come along and take it all from him. Well, because... Or maybe they did and we don't. I think because it was kind of privately his money it didn't belong to the church it was his money he got it from who knows where and like i say they had a couple of trials and hearings and at one point they asked him to turn up and show his account book and he just refused and didn't show up so he it just it's, like his yeah. entire life when anybody asked him where the money came from he would just tell him to piss off basically <laughs> Fair play, yeah. I guess. But that makes me then think that that was like, they just didn't try hard enough. So maybe it was them that he was getting the money from, being paid to be quiet. It's entirely possible, yeah. Like you say, if, if there was evidence that Jesus survived yeah. and didn't die on the cross, I that feel causes like huge problems for the Catholic Church. The Church has got enough... Clout. Clout that they would, be, they would be able to find out where it came from, or they would be able to do... Like, they'd, just, they'd just get rid of him. yeah. I mean, there were, there, I mean, he definitely visited Carcassonne and had a word with the bishop's deputy because that's in his diary. And like I say, the only the only note that he made was secret. Secret. Which, I love yeah. that. That if ever there was a like an in like in the diary, tantalising. Secret, or yeah. is or is that the code word? We need to break the code. Maybe. 
Yeah, the um, blue apples. Blue apples. Yeah, yeah. Some of the researchers they were they were kind of bat crap crazy when it came to stuff. One of them found a pentagon. Yeah. Within the painting of Poussin, and then connected the corners, which makes you a pentacle. Yeah. Started figuring out that there were there was something was sixty degrees, and then there was another line that was seventy five degrees. And when you look at the shepherd on the far left of the painting, he's holding his crook at an angle of 75 degrees from the horizontal. Oh, gosh. And then they were figuring out stuff. And they, so they went through the message, which was all about, you know, the um, horse of God and all this lot. The horse of God. So the shepherdess, they figured out that there was... A, another meaning for the word for shepherdess, which is armchair, which apparently is still in use in the antiques trade today in France. They use this particular, I can't remember the word, but that's what they use. And they found a weird rock that looks like a, a, like a, chair. a couch chair kind of thing. Weird, okay. Um, and again, it was like on a 75 degree from the meridian or whatever it was. <laughs> and this this rock formation, I think, is known as like the devil's chair or something like that. Yeah. And then they said there was something about the cross and they found a cross at the side of a railway line. And so they were like, so that's the cross. And actually on the cross, there is an engraving on the bottom and it gives the years 1801 to 1876, which if you take 1801 from 1876, you get 75, which corresponds to the... So they were like, well, we're definitely onto something here. Because 75 degrees was the angle of the this, that, and the other. Yeah. And they were using like geometry to solve some of the puzzle because when you overlaid things in certain ways, it pointed to certain letters that spelt out certain things and all this lot. They also figured out that the horse of God was also like a colloquial term for a train line, but also there was another meaning of it that meant like cricket. So like a cricket was called a horse of God. But... When you looked up the word cricket, that could also mean a support beam for a railway bridge. So they were like, oh, well, we're definitely onto something here. So they went through all this stuff. And basically, they they reckon that there's this uh, mountain not far from Rennes that they say, right, whatever it is, it's buried at the foot of this mountain. We've figured it out to the nth degree. Yeah. But obviously, they're not allowed to dig. Because even if you go into Red yeah. Chateau now, there are signs all over saying no digging because recently there's been people doing it again. Oh. Like treasure hunters just turn up and start digging the place up. Yep, yep. But the, again, there was, you know, there was supposedly a tomb found under the this grave of this one noble woman, which not a massive shock to find a tomb in a graveyard, but apparently that's possibly where he found all the stuff. So it's... You've got one story saying he found a load of stuff in a hollowed out bit. You've got another saying that the bell ringer found like a glass vial with the parchment in. Yeah. In a balustrade, which was in a pile of rubble when they were redoing the place. And then you've got other people saying, well, he dug around and he found stuff. So you don't know when he found the treasure, what treasure he found or anything really. It is it is kind of a really tantalising tale, but at the same time, there are so many different accounts of things. And then you've got Pierre Plantard and all that kind of stuff, which just muddied the waters, really, because it turned out that 
his friend yeah, Desherisi had, had fabricated a lot of it. Which is really this is the bit that really like now we'll kind of never know. Yeah, because he might there might have been little nuggets of truth in there. But well, this was it. It's there, just throwing the whole lot into so there was, complete. There was mess. this secret dossier held in the the Bibliothèque Nationale that Gerard de Sed found, but he only found it because Pierre Plantard told him it was there. And this dossier contained loads of information about the Prior of Sion and said it was set up in like 1089 or something like that. Right. And then it changed its name in 1188, but there's only records of it ever having been in existence since 1956 when Pierre Plantard registered it. So that could be an absolute crock. Plus, there's no evidence to say that Sonia went to Paris. <laughs> it, no, no evidence that he attended Mass at Saint-Sulpice because there would have been records of that. And also no records that he bought reproductions of the Poussin and Tenier paintings, as well as a painting of one of the popes from the Louvre, because the Louvre do keep records of reproductions made and sold, and there's nothing on there. And they kind of, the one of the programmes I was watching, they kind of confront these two researchers and say, well, did you check if he attended Mass at Saint-Sulpice? No, we didn't check that. Did you check if he, he bought things from the Louvre? Because they keep records. Oh, well, I'm, we're not sure about that, but we didn't check. It's like, like well, so why? Yeah. Because I think something I find when I'm researching is that you'll go, okay, so I'm looking at this piece. Oh, look, let's see what they've they've used as their reference. And then I'll look and go, oh, they've used this as their reference. And then I'll go to that piece. Yeah. And then they haven't got any references. Yeah. So it's like, so where did so, the, that get yeah, so their it, idea yeah, from? It, did they just that, pull it all out of their At that point, it's hearsay, yeah. Like, but yeah, Henry Lincoln, who was one of the authors of Holy Blood and the Holy Grail. He was very interested and he got interested in the whole idea when he read Gerard de Sed's book when he was on holiday. And he actually brought the whole thing of, of Rennes Le Chateau to the worldwide audience because he made several programmes for the BBC because he actually used to work as a screenwriter. Right. And then he made programmes for the BBC, several of which I've watched on YouTube. And again, half of the accounts in that contradict half of the other stuff I've researched. Of course it does. It's so difficult to pin anything down in this case. Because even, you know, the amount that he earned or the amount it's equivalent to and the amount that he spent and the amount that that's equivalent to, everything's just, you know, one person says one thing and another says another. And that's just the way it is, though, because it's happened such a long time ago with so many different sides documenting what happened as well. Yeah. Or not. Well, it's about about 140 years ago, isn't it? But you think in the time between like that happening and now, we've had, what, two world wars. There's been the Spanish flu, which wasn't Spanish. And yeah. just, yeah. All the rest of it. Yeah. All the rest of it thrown in, thrown to the four corners. Powered of the, flight, what's trip it? to the moon. Smartphones, etc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like I say, I've I've literally just scratched the surface there. There's so much more about this topic to read up on. So yeah, I recommend everyone have a look through the links, read up, watch some stuff on YouTube. Try and find Henry Lincoln speaks on YouTube, which is Henry Lincoln speaking about this sort of stuff. And it also, I think there's also some of the original BBC TV programmes about it, which were quite interesting as well. Thank you. You're welcome. That was very interesting. Yes. And we're adding it to our list of places to go. 
Yes, definitely. Someday. Someday, Ren the Chateau. Cool. So we just wanted to say a quick hello to John and Louise of Hi. the Spooky Tales podcast because we had a little meet up with them this last week and had sat and had a coffee and yeah, they're lovely people and you should check them out as well. They do have a new episode coming out because they were hinting at it, yeah. but not giving too much away over the coffee table. Yeah. Hi, John and Louise. It was lovely to meet you hello. and hope the new episode went well. Yeah. And thanks for the coffee. Yes, it's our turn next time. Yeah. Okay, so if you have enjoyed this episode, you can contact us and tell us how lovely you thought it was. Oh, lovely. Or confusing. Yeah. Or if you have any other information you would like to share with us, yeah. give us a shout. You can email us at... Storiesofstrangeness at gmail.com You can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash storiesofstrangeness. And Instagram. Instagram.com slash stories of strangeness. There's a theme here, isn't there? Yes, I'm beginning to notice that. <laughs> we do have a website and you can find it. www.storiesofstrangeness.com Amazing. We also have a Redbubble account. So if you would like our logo or any of our random doodles on all sorts of odd pieces of clothing or bits and bobs for your home, you can check us out on Redbubble. You just need to search for Zoe and Mike, all one word, and we should pop up. And there's a link in the show notes. As always. And lastly, if you would like to help us out, you can sponsor us on Patreon. Woo! Is there an address? Uh, <laughs> we never know this, do we? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, there, there must be, but I don't know. <laughs> it's in the show notes. Is it? Yeah, it's always in the show notes. <laughs> So with Patreon, you can choose out of the two tiers that we have. The first tier is... £1 a month. And for £1 a month, you get... Bugger all. Well, no, well. you get our undying <laughs> thanks and a shout out on the episode next that comes out <laughs> That's next. so mean. Bugger all. <laughs> no, you help us plod on. We are looking to get some mobile equipment so yeah. we can go on some spooky walks yeah. and do some spooky talks. Ooh. And uh, yes, it sounded more like an owl. Sorry. It did, didn't it? And the second tier is three pounds a month. And for three pounds a month, you get minisodes where we do ten to fifteen minute little minisodes about all sorts of topics, often ones that are more close to our hearts, or uh, more random, or more yeah. chatty. Yeah, and you... we also do outtakes <laughs> where you get Yay. to hear all our goofs, gaffs, flubs, mouth shames. Flop-ups and fumbles. I don't know. Oh, my God. I don't know where you were going with that. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure Um, either. Yeah, you probably don't want to listen to those. I don't know if anyone actually does. Some of them are pretty funny. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I've been saying that way too much. And sometimes we also, when we get around to doing illustrations, we post time-lapse videos when we can. Yes, we do. I caught up at one point, way behind again. Yeah, I'm way behind at the minute. But, yes... And as always, if you have any ideas for subjects you'd like us to cover, please give us a shout Yep, and we'll see what we can do. You can rewind to hear the email address again if you like. Or check the show notes. Exactly. (laughs) Well then, it's a good night from him. Hello. No, the other one. Goodbye. (laughs) And it's good night from me. Bye. Bye. Love you.